he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bolafide, the one, the only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolada. I'm here as I am every week asking you to like and subscribe. Push that button right now. And also, I'm here with the one and only Alex. Apostolini, say. Hey. Buongiorno. How are you? Buongiorno. Hey. Oh, it's beautiful here in Southern California today. It's finally uh, cooled off a tad from the uh, hurricane winds that we were dealing with and rains and humidity. And ugh. so it's feeling pretty good. How are you doing in Atlanta this morning? Doing okay. I think today we're having one of the first full sunny days. It's been pretty much cloudy and drizzly the entire time I've been here. So I'm bummed I missed those winds. I love wind, wind. Mm -hmm. I'm bummed I missed it, but you know, it's all right. Well, the winds are changing. Let's just say that. (laughs) And today we have with us a powerhouse pair. Yes, we do. Tell us who they are. I will happily do that. So our first guest today graduated from the University of Miami with a bachelor's of music in jazz and studio music on electric bass. He performs regularly with the Dave Matthews Tribute Band, the Alex DePew Band, Blood Moon Gypsies, one of my favorites, flamenco guitarist, and many local singer-songwriters, and recently helped create Yacht Jazz, which is Yacht Rock with a Twist. Please welcome musician, composer, arranger, studio and music production artist, teacher, band leader, and all around nice guy, and I can vouch for that, and co-owner of Pop Nouveau, Sam the Dude Johnson. And our other guest. Oh, yes. Wait. There's more. There's more. There is more. We have another guest with us today. We're very lucky. So by the age of 12, he knew music would be his life. He received a full scholarship to FSU and has performed and recorded with many legendary musicians, including Sam Rivers, Pitbull, John Legend, and one of my favorites, Macy Gray, to name a few, as well as appearing on shows such as The Tonight Show with our favorite Anthony J. J. Leno, Uh Jimmy Kimmel Live in the Arsenio Hall Show. When he isn't busy performing all over the world, he's hard at work with one of the many bands he's associated with so please welcome the other co-owner of pop nouveau dan boise hello hello gents how are you great we have a lot to unpack there's so much in that in that introduction (laughs) that i want to unpack with you but first before we go any further we have something that we call 10 quick questions quick questions We're going to ask you 10 quick questions, and you've got to answer as quickly as you can. We'll start with Dan, and then we'll go to Sam. We'll ask a question. Dan, give us an answer. Sam, will give us an answer. And then we'll ask another question. Are you ready, gentlemen? Yes. First one should be pretty (laughs) easy for you. Who is your favorite singer, Dan? Favorite singer, Sting. Sam. Sam. 
points. <laughs> that hurts. What's one thing you lose track of time doing, Dan? One thing I lose track of time doing? Yes. Um, woodworking. Woodworking. Ooh. Riding a bicycle. Riding a bicycle, but never the, doing those at the same time. All right. Please no. Three. Why does your nose run and your feet smell, Dan? Uh, it's cold and I'm playing too much disc golf. Sam. <laughs> uh, it's a constant thing I can't get rid of and uh, because somebody made me wear shoes. Great, great answers to that trick question. Thank you. Dan, do you cry? Yes. Sam, do you cry? Of course. I love it. Men Who Cry. That's the name of my new book. What is your favorite Broadway show, Dan? My favorite Broadway show? That's a tough one. I haven't seen enough. Um, I don't think that's I'm going to pass. I, I, I haven't seen enough. Ooh, I don't know. Pass. I don't have a favorite Broadway show. Sam has pass. one. I, could tell. I don't know. God! Uh, well, it's, I can it's tell between, you haven't seen much Broadway. It's between Sweeney Todd and uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Ah, those are excellent choices. Could you yep. take Dan to one of those shows, please? Please, Sam. All right, now we're going to switch it around. We're going to start with you, Sam. How long do you take in the shower, Sam? Uh, five minutes. Dan? Um, between five and ten. Boy, that's all I can say on behalf of all of us Californians. Have you ever skinny dipped in the ocean, Sam? Yes. Dan? Yes. Together, Sam? No. Sam? No. Okay. No. <laughs> Just wanted to clarify that. What takeout food do you order most, Sam? Tacos. Dan? Uh, Thai food. Together? No. That was a joke. Uh, <laughs> number nine. Well, What's no, we got to take out from the chicken place. place. From the chicken place. What's the... What's I don't even want to go there. Number nine. What's the item on your to-do list, Sam, that you never get to? Uh, laundry. Uh, that's a tough one. A lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff for my to-do list I don't get to. Practicing enough? Probably. Practicing saxophone enough. All right, good answer. I wish I had more time to do that. Right, more time for everything. Number 10, last question. Sam, what's the first letter of your go-to curse word? F. Pass. I'm, I'm going to say F as well. Oh, did you both say F? Yeah. Oh, I thought F you said is in. Frank. <laughs> Frank. F is in Frank. Frank and Stems. Friends. Yeah, no, no, no. Friends. Fabulous. Thank you for playing 10 Quick Questions. We got y'all warmed up. Yay. Uh, and so, I just want to say, Sam, Sweeney Todd's good choice. I've done that show twice, and I love it. Great show. Great Sondheim great show. show. Ah. I actually saw that one on Broadway in 1979. I wow. Was a, I was a child. Yes, I really was a child. So you gents are from the Florida area. Uh, I, I'm a, yeah, I'm originally from Florida. Sam is from Maine. You're from Maine, but you went to school at U of M? Yes. And you studied music at U of M? Yes. Wow. I'm from Miami and I went to school in upstate New York. So we, we just crossed paths. <laughs> we were the opposites. We were just the opposites. What attracted you to the U of M? Um, Other than the sunshine. 
live in Maine and the uh, warmth. Well, gr growing up in Maine, I had, you know, that Florida is the place to go. That's like vacation land for the Mainers. Right. So there was that. I had a couple friends going to school there at the time. And um, they are, at the time, they were considered one of the top jazz schools in the country. So. Really? I had no idea. What decade are we talking? Uh, I graduated in 99. Was the school still considered a go-to for jazz or set at the time? I, I believe it still is. Uh, some of the faculty has changed, but I believe it's still mm -hmm. in the top. Mm -hmm. And you went to U of F, Dan? Uh, I went to Florida State University for my freshman year. Um, did not like Tallahassee, Florida. It was mm -hmm. a little too close to Georgia for me. Mm -hmm. So uh, I went back to Orlando to go to University of Central Florida um, and got a full scholarship there as well. And, oh, uh, wow. Yeah. So are you from, you were, were you born in, in the Orlando area? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Born and one, raised. One of the few, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know a lot because, you know, people I grew up with, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of those people have since left Orlando, like I have, you know. And what brought you to the West? What, what do you, I'm assuming you came separately and formed Pop Nouveau out on the west coast yes yeah i uh we both moved out to california about the same year i think in 2000 coincidentally yeah. we didn't we didn't know each other but um yeah i was uh in college there and i started playing with a swing band called swingerhead with an amazing singer named michael andrew and um basically he got offered the uh you know merv griffin invited him out to play at the coconut club Beverly Hills. Mm. So he asked me if I wanted to come out and do the gig and it turned into two years of doing that gig. Um, and my brother already lived in LA, so it just made it easy to transition here. So that's kind of how I ended up here. And then I just stayed for the last 22 years now. So you know Florida, Dan? Do I miss Florida? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little facetious. Um, yeah, no, not, not too much. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> and Dan, what brought you, uh, Sam, what brought you to California? Well, uh, I was, I graduated from Miami and I was living in Miami and working a day job, not doing music. And I didn't quite understand the scene and didn't understand the culture. And I just felt very out of place. So I had friends and family, actually, my brother lived in San Diego. So I called him up and said, Hey, Make room on the couch. I'm on my way. <laughs> I like that. It wasn't a question. It was just no. make room on the couch. That's the way to do it. <laughs> you sound like my brother now because he wants you to come. <laughs> right. No, he was happy to have me. His. It's funny, though. I never stayed on their couch, but his wife remembers that I did. And I'm like, no, I got a roommate online and moved right into his place. Wow. So, so see, that's the kind of brother you are, right? You didn't want to put them out. Not, no, not, not at all. Not, not at all. So how did you come to meet one another and form uh, what is now called Pop Nouveau? Uh, go ahead, Sam. Um, when I moved here, uh, I moved into a new apartment and the guy who lived in the room above me, um, I, I woke him up every day practicing. He'd take naps in the I'd be sitting there practicing. Finally, he came down and knocked on the door, but he didn't knock on the door to complain. He knocked on the door to introduce himself and say, hey, 
I'm a guitar player, and uh, we should put a band together. No it took way. about a year before that actually happened because he had sold all his gear to move to San Diego. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you can't make that up. <laughs> so we put a band together, and uh, it's been the longest-running band that I've been in, and that's the, the Dave Matthews tribute you've probably heard of, Stepping Feet. Uh, local to San Diego and we've gone through all kinds of different players and because it was a Dave Matthews tribute we needed sax and violin and uh, our violinist at the time our sax we our sax player at the time was moving to LA and getting bigger gigs and moving on so we needed a replacement and or a sub and our violinist brought Dan down to join us and uh, start playing with us uh, I don't remember what year that was. Yeah, it was, I'm going to guess somewhere around 2006, something like that, I think. 2006, Seems 2007, right. yeah. So we've probably uh, known each other 15 years or so. Yeah. And, and uh, so, well, he, Dan and I just kind of hit, hit it off right away. Uh, I liked the way he played. He seemed to like the way I played. And, you know, we found out we're both police fans and just had a lot of lot of stuff in common. So, uh, and one is this idea. It took a while to put put our heads together, but this idea of doing a group where we take pop, modern pop music and rearrange it for jazz, which eventually became the group we do now, Pop Nouveau. And there's a third in the group, yes. There's a third, uh, a fourth, hire, a fifth, a seventh. We we hire. Uh, a, a roster of musicians that work with us. Uh, so it can be uh, three or four or five or seven or however many you want. But you two are the partners in Pop Nouveau and you are the, the two that make it happen and make it run. You're the, that's you're correct. The, yes. Yeah. The crux of the group. That's excellent. Uh, the concept is really, uh, really great. Uh, and for those of us who sell music for events, it's really, um, it's really fresh and uh, the very opposite of stale. I'm having a hard time finding the right adjectives right now, but the, the, the idea that we can provide background music without it being, without it feeling like elevator music, without it feeling stale, like your grandfather's music, if you will. Um, we needed that in our market. Mm -hmm. Uh, we we were dealing with clients who wanted, you know, the, jazz is a is a euphemism for all kinds of background music, right? So they would say, "Oh, I want some jazz," right. but they really didn't know what they wanted. They didn't want something that that people wouldn't relate to. And uh, today's audiences don't necessarily relate to the traditional jazz uh, um, compositions, you know. Um, right. They just don't know them. So the idea of presenting pop melodies in that format is is genius it it grabs attention and, and pulls people in uh how long have you been doing it uh we started we shot our first videos to start promoting the band in 2014. so it's and, been yeah but eight, eight years now I eight guess. years yeah yeah and how, how many gigs a year would you say you play as pop do you have an idea I know Sam usually keeps track of this. So, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we're we're doing great. In fact, yeah, before the pandemic, yeah, the yeah. first two months of 2020 were the best two months we've ever had. 
uh, and then everything Seriously. dropped. Of course, so you know we all felt the sting of that one. Um, but up to that point, we were doing you know eight to six to eight, maybe ten gigs a month. During the busy seasons, it would be more. You know, during the busy corporate times, uh, during the the non busy corporate times, it would be less. But that, uh, that's a nice that's a nice uh, gig. You know, yeah. Six yeah. to ten a month is great. I think you'll easily get back there. It's it's just a matter of time, and we're almost there. I would say. How how is your schedule um, looking now, post COVID? Um, it's a little bit up and down. The summer was slow for us because most of what we do is private and corporate stuff. Right. We don't have a stronghold in a wedding market. Um, so, right. you know, we're looking for new ways to advertise, new ways to get the word out that we're here and what we're doing. Um, we had an assistant that was helping us as well, who we lost at the time of the pandemic. She had to go and take care of her family. and. So now I'm looking for a new one. And it's interesting because there's help wanted signs everywhere. Mm -hmm. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of help available. Isn't that interesting? It, it, it is. It is. <laughs> I still don't understand it, but it is. it is. It seems to be a thing that's going on right now. So uh, finding good help is difficult. And, uh, you know, we're both busy doing several things. Uh, as she mentioned in my, my uh, bio that I'm also teaching lessons. I work at a couple high schools and help out there and uh, just recently opened a new studio. So I'm split now between three different businesses and, um, you know, Dan is also a freelance uh, sax player. So he's getting hired to do recordings and gigs and traveling and all kinds of stuff. So we're busy with other projects, which kind of slows down some of the work for this group. Sure. Is this the only group that you work on together? Do you work on other groups together? Or with other groups together. I mean, we've worked. We work in with you know with Stepping Feet together still, um, with the Dave Matthews Tribute Band. Right. And we used to. Sam used to do some of his original jazz, um, which we just I guess haven't had time for since we've been doing this. But um, I remember we used we used to do that. That's kind of what got us started playing jazz together. I, I have um, dreams of bringing that back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be. You know, it's it's nice to make money, but sometimes it's always nice to uh, to do your original art mm -hmm. as well. You know, does that get put on the back burner typically, Sam? Because uh, that project got put on the back burner quite a while ago because I was too busy. Uh, I was uh, this this project, and I was I'm of course freelance bass player in the teaching. I had full schedules uh, all the way up until like 2020. I was just too busy to try to organize because it takes a lot of time to organize, find uh, find places to play and organize the band and actually rehearse them because we're doing original music. So nobody's ever heard this stuff before. So uh, a lot of effort and time and marketing as well. So it, it did kind of take a, a back seat to being busy, which is, is kind of a catch 22. You need to be busy to make good money and survive and live in San Diego that's gotten yeah. so expensive. But yeah. then, you know, you somehow you have to carve out time if you want to be able to do these original and creative projects as well. Yeah, that is uh, that is the the hardest thing to do is to try to nurture something on the side when you're when you're busy and making money and, uh, you know, have people to support and, you know, have a studio to pay for. 
it's just it's it's not as easy as it sounds as uh, you know let's go out there and play and sure we'll you yeah. know sell albums and people will love us and it's let's put a show on in a barn you know, yeah. just, <laughs> thank you mickey <laughs> yeah. i've played yes. in a barn before uh, yeah it, you've worked in a barn before i have to <laughs> well i mean there's so many barn weddings these days yes that's the, this is that's true. the thing so. i did before i left maine i did a concert in a barn though what's that oh, uh that's... but is that something you'd like to tell us more about <laughs> um you know it's fuzzy because uh, it was quite a, quite a few years ago but yeah just some friends from college all wanted to do this show they called me up say hey, we're doing this show and come play with us so i was playing bass with them and uh we got there we had to we were there for two days it was a long drive to get there out in the middle of nowhere somewhere in maine wow. but we had a big crowd there was a lot of people that came to the show so i was going to ask if you had a full barn it was a, it was a full <laughs> barn what wait but was it a full barn of people yes <laughs> yeah hu human animals human animals okay so i'll make sure with plenty of feed and drink <laughs> did you say feed <laughs> so for the musicians in our in our audience tell us how you um how you market yourself to the event community and what are some of the uh protocols that you follow uh to you know get business in that industry and, and ensure that your your uh, performances are successful the marketing thing is mostly me getting on the phone and calling or sending emails. That's the most effective, most successful I've had. Um, we do get a few that come in through people doing web searches and stuff like that. Um, but that's a small percentage of our work. Most of it comes through contacting um, entertainment agents, letting them know what we do and uh, trying to develop a, a quality relationship with them. Uh, keeping what we do consistent and professional all the time so that when we do a performance, everything goes smoothly, there's no issues, everybody goes home happy, and then the, those people want to call us again. So that's that's probably the biggest part is we try to keep everything consistent so that we get, get that call back. Well, I mean, I can vouch for that because we've worked with you. I've gotten to be on site with you, and I, I know we talk a lot, Sam, um, sometimes a couple times a day. Um, I, I'm always wondering if you're sick of me, but um, it is true. You guys are, you always deliver from, from beginning to end. You always deliver and it's such a joy to work with. And well, thank you. you. You have, if I may say, one of the most uh, smartly uh, comprised websites that I have seen uh, you address some things in your website that I don't see usually addressed, like, for example, the fact that you sound and you make that pretty clear in your website that you can be self-contained. And the other thing that you do um, that has, again, nothing to do with actual music is you have a variety of looks that you offer. And most jazz groups don't even think about how the wardrobe, the attire can really help to sell the group. And not only do you understand that, you've gone out of your way to show us what styles you come and play in. And you know what? That sounds like such a small thing, but it, it speaks volumes 
to who you are and to how smart you are and to mm -hmm. what you un and to your understanding of what it is you're doing and what people will want from you. Uh, so I want to commend you on that. It really is a superior site. And, uh, you know, I'm just I'm I'm smiling because it's so rare that musicians are looking at themselves from that objective viewpoint and ask themselves, what is it that people will want from us in order to book us? And you you seem to understand that. So is that something you've learned over the years or something that you just uh, understood you needed to do? Where did you learn some of these techniques? Um, I think with the, the wardrobe and the outfits is something we learned over time. Um, you know, uh, I read, um, I think it was in Miles Davis's biography. There's a section in there where they talk about, they were the hippest dressers. They wore the hippest clothes. And, uh, you know, all my mus jazz musician friends are showing up in shorts and a t-shirt with flip-flops or jeans or just, we look kind of homeless almost sometimes. And I'm like, this isn't what we studied. This isn't what we were admiring. The, the musicians that we admired were wearing the hippest clothes. We should be doing the same thing. So that was kind of one thing that started it for me. And I've just, I've seen a lot of bands in San Diego where they've come in and they full costume. And it looked great. And I'm like, if we're going to be successful, we kind of have to adopt that as well. So it was a little bit of both of that. Great. It's true. Uh, it's not just about how you sound. It's how you look. And, uh, you know, it sounds a little, what's the word? I, it doesn't sound nice, <laughs> you know. And from our perspective in, in, in the agency, we've had clients say to us i've actually had a client excuse a trio from a, a gig because they were older than she wanted them to be so she excused them so you know there there is the other side of this uh, uh where it feels very prejudicial but it but it is important to look at your best this is not mm -hmm. about being beautiful this is about looking like a group, looking clean, looking sharp, uh, and and like you say, looking hip, right? Mm -hmm. It's not. Mm -hmm. It's because if the if the look supports the sound, then you've grabbed people. Mm -hmm. And even though you're in the background, it's okay to grab their attention. You just don't want to need their focus while you're playing, right? But for people to, on occasion, look over hear you acknowledge you then you know we're doing a good job and i'm sure you get that all the time I'm, i have to think i have to believe that when you're playing even in the background you're feeling the audience and they're feeling you would that be a true statement we always get somebody who comes up and says something from the audience usually a compliment they really enjoy the music you can look around most people are doing what they're doing which is networking which is why they're there uh, but you look around and you can tell who's decided not to network for a moment so they can listen to the band. And uh, we can see that, we can feel it for sure. So could you yeah. to, go ahead, please, please. No, I was gonna say, and um, you know, it, a lot of bands I don't think realize what these, uh, that's my phone rings, uh, these, what these performances are, you know, and, and a lot of times we are background music and we're, we're sort of creating the vibe in the room and we, we want to be noticed, but we don't want to be noticed. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you mm -hmm. want, 
it, it, it's a fine line between um, being noticed for the right reasons and noticed for the wrong reasons. And it's just knowing that how you look is a big part of this kind of work. And I, and I think Sam and I, I mean, we've done doing these kind of gigs since we were in college. Um, and so we've seen what works and seen what doesn't work. And I, I think that was a big thing with the costumes and creating these different looks um, because that's, that's as much a part of it as the music is sometimes. You know, I, I think a lot of musicians um, have issue with this kind of work because uh, you're not the center of attention. The purpose of your performance is to lay in the background. And there is a misunderstanding of the importance of what you're providing when you are providing that background. Uh, you're you're loosening up people. You're um, you know you're you're making it easier for them to converse with other people. You you're, you're making the the atmosphere lighter, and within that context, you can still grab attention. And it sounds to me like you understand that. You understand yeah in the background, but it's okay to throw something in that people are going to grab onto, that will attract them because you're not trying to overpower. And that's right. the difference between mm -hmm. they're just loud and that's why they have the focus. And wow, that's really clever. That's a really clever arrangement. Oh, I know that tune, but I've never heard it play that way. Wow. And that's instantaneous, right? You don't have to grab somebody's focus for 45 minutes to give them that. And that's what you're doing. And that's why you're getting the appreciation that you're getting and it's a fine art and and thank you for saying what you're saying because i want so many more musicians to understand yes. that people are not being rude they're there to do what they're supposed to do you're there in a background situation you still make it great and engaging so, yeah the fact that you understand that you're appreciated even if all eyes aren't on you Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's egoless in the best way. Right. Mm. right. Maybe that comes from being a bass player. Right. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a limelight guy as a bass player. I'm all, I'm all right with not being a limelight guy. Every once in a while you can put a spotlight on me, but that's okay too. Which is, you know, it, it's funny that you say that because you have such a tremendous personality and uh it is true when i was reading in it you know the info you sent me sam and it says all around nice guy and it's, i know it says that on your website and i'm like that's just a perfect description of you you know and, and again we don't we don't want to make and dan's agreeing wow um we, <laughs> <laughs> that means I it's mean, got to be true you know, we have our disagreements. We're business partners, but uh, he is an all-around nice guy. Absolutely. And, Dan, and Dan's an easy person to have arguments with and disagreements because though they get energetic, they never get out of hand. Mm -hmm. Personal. They, they don't feel okay you trust each other. Well, he's, he's okay yeah. with me not agreeing with him, and I'm okay with him not agreeing with me. Well, also, it sounds That's to good. me like you do lead your, you check your egos out at the door and uh that's probably why the partnership works so well and again why you're so successful um it's it's great to find humility and uh artistic people and we don't want to be too light about the fact that you're an all-around nice guy because i have to tell you 
people work with people they like. Right? Very true. And so you you might not think that that's important, but I made a career because in, in the industry, when I started in the 90s, my clients didn't want to deal with musicians. The musicians were worse. They had all of these needs. They came in, they wanted to be the center of attention. And I knew that wasn't the case, I, but I, you know, that was, that was the reality of how they felt because there were those that came before you who set bad examples, <laughs> uh, you know, so you can't, you can't make too little of being nice because it, it does, it does make a difference. You're trying to make a living. What's next Over. for you guys? Go ahead. Go ahead. Did you have something you wanted to say? Oh, no, What's, I didn't. No. You talk so much, Dan. That's I can see that. <laughs> That's another reason why Sam and you you get along so well because you you, you burst with words. Um, what's what's happening now for the group? Let's okay. see. Well, I'll I'll, I'll go. We yeah. just shot some videos uh, for a new group that we're starting. It's it it came out of a, a gig we did what about four months ago. Um, uh, another agent wanted a New Orleans thing for for Fat Tuesdays, so we we put together a little New Orleans trio, and so uh, we just shot some videos for that. Which it's, I guess the the basic band is a quartet um, instead of a guitar player. We have banjo, and then drums, bass, and I'm playing soprano sax instead of tenor sax, which I normally right. play. Um, so just kind of a New Orleans feel, doing some of the New Orleans classics, but also doing. Uh, we want to do some of our, you know, our pop songs or modern pop songs also in a New Orleans jazz style as well, just to give another, you know, another another band to create a, a different vibe for different events. So just to add to our repertoire. Wow, that's great. Can you can you give us a hint of some of the pop titles that you're considering? Group? Uh, the one we did for the video is Come Together by the Beatles. Cool. Oh, cool. Um, which that one we've kind of done as a second line. Uh, but I mean, a lot of our songs that we do, especially ones we do in a swing style, lend themselves very easily to doing um, New Orleans style. I'm excited to hear this. I can't wait to to get that video. Well, it shouldn't, shouldn't be long now. I think the audio is all done. So I just got to do the video editing and then uh, it'll, we'll have it. Excellent. Excellent. You guys are always creating. I have to say, I'm so impressed. I, I, I don't know how you find the time or the energy, but you're always creating and always thinking of new things to do, to try. Um, and that's great for us because, you know, the more you offer, the more we can offer you, which makes me happy. Because like Anthony said, I, I won't work with people who aren't nice. I just won't. If you're rude to me, of course it's it's you're off my list i mean that's as my as my former husband would say i don't suffer rudeness kindly <laughs> i think the I, world I think most people don't suffer rudeness kindly <laughs> not if they're holding the coin poor purse they're not yeah um so uh, elaborating a little bit on one of our goals uh, one of my dreams has been to have a band that can do anything and as we create these new versions of Pop Niveau, uh, Blood Moon Gypsies, they're just examples of what we can do. And so then it comes to, well, what do you need? 
And if somebody were to call, well, we need a reggae jazz band, which we actually put together a little reggae set for a, somebody called us for that. We put together a recording, sent it out. They hired somebody else. But uh, we can do that. So now that we have a studio that we can just load in and create recordings, if you had an event that's coming up and they were want, wanting something really specific, uh, fitting along within our, our general theme, and we could probably put together a little demo of that and send it off and say, hey, yeah, this is what we, you know, we can create it now beyond just this is what they offer. Mm -hmm. um, this is what you're asking for. We've got a group that can just simply create that for you. So basically, don't be afraid to call you guys and ask you, even if I don't know that it's in your wheelhouse. Right. Well, yeah. you know that the Yacht Jazz thing is D'Angelo's fault, right? Yes. Tell us about that. Because I, I like to fault him with things. <laughs> uh, Poor guy. <laughs> he called me up uh, last year and he's like, do you got a yacht jazz band? They're all booked. Like every single yacht jazz band book in San Diego was booked. Do you guys have one? <laughs> I'm like, well, not really. I mean, we might be able to come up with something. But, you know, we had we didn't have our studio yet. And it was still 2021. So still a little crazy with the pandemic. And the logistics weren't quite there for us to do it. And he needed something right away. Um, but I was like, okay, so they're all booked up. And he asked me, and well, then we should have one of those. And now you have it. So what's this about the wedding market and not having a stronghold there? Is that by choice or just it just hasn't happened? Or I'm not sure, actually, if you guys have ideas. <laughs> that. We're, all, we're all ears. Yeah. Um, I, I think part of it, we're on Wedding Wire and The Knot, but we don't, we don't pay for their advertising yet. Um, it's expensive and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So, right. you know, we tend to shy away from some of the more expensive advertising things because you never can tell if it actually works or not. I would actually recommend that you look up the local chapter of, the, of American Bridal Consultants, ABC. And I would look up the local San Diego, LA chapters and start uh, with a grassroots campaign there. Go to the meetings, uh, meet people, because those will be your local planners, your local consultants. And those will be the, those will be the consultants that'll book you fastest because you're right here. You're in their mm -hmm. backyard. Uh, where I would start. We have actually proposed you, we have you on a proposal right now for a very big wedding. And uh, I'm not quite sure why they're not interested in Pop Nouveau. I'm, I'm really not. I, I, I think quite honestly, you'd be perfect for this particular client. Um, but, um, you know, it's just so, so um, subjective. You never know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I like to relate it to the to the acting world. You know, you gotta you gotta go to all these auditions, and you almost like half of it is: Do you look the part? Are you the right age? Do you? I mean, all these things that don't even matter if you yeah uh, know how right. to act. Right. And it's kind of the same way when you go in for uh, in you know trying to bid on a wedding or something. You go in and. Um, they might not even looking for for what you do. They're, you're just a, amongst a group that was advertised. Oh, we actually want to go in another direction. So, right. um, you know, there's always that kind of thing. You know, what 
what is the client wants is the first first thing. And if they don't want a pop jazz kind of thing, then they'll maybe pick a cover band or maybe they're into some Zydeco or klezmer music. Who knows? Well, klezmer, right? That, that's not uncommon. Uh, Can you guys uh, do Zydeco? Just saying, because I do get requests for that. <laughs> <laughs> Put that uh, on. We'll get, yeah, we'll get back to you on that. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I saw an ad for used washboards, so just let me know if you want yeah. that info. <laughs> Zydeco um, Jazz. Zydeco Jazz, yeah. Oh, Let's do it. There you go. Uh, yeah, you really have to... Uh, I remember as an actor, one of the first auditions I went to in New York was a lineup, to your point you get pulled into a room with 15, 20 other people and you're put in a line and they just point at you like in a contest and ask you to step forward if they point at you and then one line leaves and the other line stays purely based on how you look. With your headshot, right? Your, your headshot, headshot there. Right. And it's right. the worst thing in the world. I hate, <laughs> I hate those so you're you uh you're right it's 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 so subjective mm -hmm. and uh, the, i think the the mistake that a lot of creatives make is to take it way too personally it's hard not to but it's really important not to uh because most of the time it has nothing to do with you and you you gents understand that it's key and it's it, it's part of being nice too right because if you feel like shoot nobody likes us we suck it's hard to be nice yes you know, yeah. uh, so uh, I applaud you for their for that too. What's next? After I'm sorry, you told me what's happening now. What's next? What's happening next? What's on the horizon? Uh, you know, we've got a, li a list of to do things. We've talked about maybe doing a a, a jazz version of Police Tunes. Uh, album is kind of outdated uh, at this point, but uh, something along those lines. Uh, talking about but we'll call it a uh, we'll call it a tribute you know a, a jazz tribute to the police yeah you know because we're both big fans of their music and we we already have probably four or five or six uh police songs that we currently do so it's been on the back burner for a while yeah. an actual album yeah is that what i'm hearing yeah. an album yeah an album it's i mean the concept is a little outdated these days but uh... <laughs> it's vinyls coming back Oh, there it's, made, it's like, okay. I mean, since it went out, it's already had a couple of comebacks. So yeah, I, I don't mean, every, think it'll, you know. Everything will be gone again. forever. At some point, never, never gone forever. Nothing never. better than listening to, especially listening to jazz on vinyl. Right. It's just, that's the best. So let's talk about the seven piece, the septet that you have, because you do dance people with the seven piece. Yes, people can dance to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we people get up and dance to the four piece. They get up and dance to the five piece. Um, we, I mean, the songs are danceable. They're swing tunes, Latin tunes. People will get up and uh, do all kinds of things. We've got some tangos in the mix. People can get up and do whatever moves them. Um, the difference with the seven piece is just that it's a bigger band. Uh, and we use two vocalists, a male and a female, so that you get a little more variety in the, the sounds coming out of the band. But the concept remains the same, yes? So yeah. not to yeah. confuse people, it is not what people would call a 
a dance band or a wedding band in that sense uh, where you're going to play covers. You're still going to play music that people know, but not in the same uh, in the same feel as a band who is playing a cover. Is that a correct assessment? Yes, still yeah. doing jazz versions of modern pop tunes. I love it. What are some of the the more up tempo jazz tunes that you would do in a, a pop tunes that you would do in a jazz style? Uh, we do a sort of a last so many. <laughs> we do a Latin version of Toxic by Britney Spears. Oh. Uh, a couple. We've got a couple Latin tunes. Um, do um, Billy Jean. We do like kind yeah. of a salsa arrangement of Billy Jean. Um, where's Where's my song list? I don't have it on me. I know. <laughs> we do. We do. Carry we do that a at swing all times. Version. Yeah, we do a swing version of uh, "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go." Oh, um, I love that. What's the? Uh, I know we do. We do some other wham another wham tune um i know it's it's so tough because i think what we have about 150 arrangements or something getting, 140 150 getting so close it's, to that. it's always when people you know ask you're like oh just pulling them out of the top of your head um but we do a few hollow notes things um okay. you know private eyes we've done for a long time and uh we've got an arrangement like, of Eye of the tiger oh yeah Swing arrangement of Eye of the Tiger. And then we've got a, a sort of a Latin arrangement of uh, Guns N' Roses, um, Sweet, Sweet Child of Mine. Sweet Child of Mine. In which we purposefully eliminated all the gar guitar parts. Wow. So all so, the parts that, you know, make the guitar players happy, we took them out. <laughs> and then put a drum solo at the end of the arrangement. So do you actually write out the arrangements and follow them, or do you... Uh come together in a session and work out an arrangement that way. How does that work for you? Uh, both of us use Finale and uh, arrange, do our arrangements on Finale, create charts for them. And then um, every once in a while we get together and we'll rehearse out those new arrangements just to see if what we did works or if it's needs, needs editing. Yeah. yeah, it needs changing. Yeah. But you both arrange on yes. your own so you're both yeah. providing arrangements now how do you select the tunes is it a question of uh you know deliberating on a tune or if one of you likes a tune you just bring you do an arrangement and you try it is that how that yep. works pretty yeah, much pretty much for me it's i've got lists of tunes that we should do and um sometimes i'll grab one off that list or i'll be sitting in the car listening to a song going hey this would be a great swing tune all right i'll make a note yeah and then put it on the list and maybe I'll write a chart for it. Right. Um, is this one of the things that you guys sometimes argue about? Not the, really. The troublemaker. Ah. One of the, I mean, one of the, the quality of the arrangement is something we will argue about. Sometimes the quality of the chart is something we will argue about. Um, yeah, and I, I think there's been certain songs that maybe one of us likes more than the other. We'll, we'll say that. Uh, but I mean, we... I, I think it's yeah, a great I, mean, tune. I know you don't like it, but I think it's a great tune. <laughs> Specifically speaking of The Gambler. Dan doesn't like the, the arrangement of The Gambler that I do. <laughs> Rogers. But I think it's uh, a great tune. It is. Uh, the the original is great. Yeah, and that's it's a, a little bit. 
Yeah, the arrangement these, comes out differently. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes pop songs, they just don't, they just, it's hard to make them work. Uh, people ask us for more hip hop, and the problem with hip hop oh. is there's just no melodies. Right. You know, and, right. and I'm playing a saxophone. I, I'm not, I can't, I can't rap through a saxophone. Right. No. So, um, it, it's just it doesn't work and sometimes there's really no chord changes either so there's there's nothing to latch on to you know there's something i want to do with that though um even with the hip-hop is most of them it's just a loop a melodic loop that just keeps going and going so one of these days i'm going to take these loops and i'm going to splice them all together and we'll create a little hip-hop arrangement of yeah you do a medley loops mm. and, and do something like that and we'll include the the Fireball on that one. Fireball. If you yeah. can make hip uh, hot music melodic, then you'll you got me. There you go. Um, well, the reason I'm including Fireballs because Dan is the sax player on that cut. Oh, are you really? That's that's one of my few claims to fame. But <laughs> I was I was fortunate enough to play those four notes. <laughs> Over. And over, <laughs> and over and over and over and over again. I mean, really, really, it was only about 45 minutes of my life. So, you know, probably the most lucrative 45 minutes of, of my life, I will say. That's all that matters. That's <laughs> that, I mean, exactly. you know, Did at you the end an, of the day. And you have an album credit, right? Yep. Okay. I mean, and you I, can't, I can't actually find it anywhere, but I get the checks. As far as actually being credited, it's the weirdest thing. Like, I don't think I'm actually credited on the album, but I get the checks. So, okay, right. You know, it's so, like an actor scene hitting the cutting room floor. At the end of the day, you got the check. Right. Yeah. But you hear yourself in the album. But uh, but I am in there. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's well, as me. Long as That's paying, me. Right. As long as they're paying you. <laughs> as long as I get the checks. <laughs> Did you record that in? uh yeah i recorded it um actually in oxnard uh the, the producer of the track um him and some other producer friends had actually created the song before they even sold it to pitbull you know they were oh. kind of shopping the song around oh um, they created it in a couple days basically and they they shopped it around and pitbull was interested so they you know rca took the song and he wrote some lyrics over it and um and the rest is history, which is it's interesting that, that it happens that way sometimes. You know, these producers create these songs and then sell it to an artist. Interesting. But the artist gets the credit. Typically. At the end of the day, I mean, the, the producer who wrote, you know, he gets all the, the writing uh, credits, you know, the producing and writing credits. So he gets, you know, about 50 percent of, you know, what what comes in on that song. On the royalties. Yeah. But, but the but the actual album credit could be negotiated differently in other words the, the yeah. producer still gets paid but the album could still say that the artist wrote the song uh yeah i mean i guess you could do that i don't know if that song actually is that way but it's it's possible i mean and that's common with a lot of you know britney spears and things like that you know mm -hmm. those songs are written by and usually they're credited credited to the actual person that wrote it to the a lot of which which in a lot of cases is the producer um you know really this is the album yeah a lot of uh a lot of producers are you know also writers. writers and and musicians and whatnot so they usually at least have a part in it now isn't keisha on that song Kesha uh, is on that song i don't think she's on fireball it's uh john uh on john something the guy there's a guy singing on that song he might be on another song on the album 
there was an album of uh, a lot of duos a lot of duets yeah yeah pitbull always he's always got different yeah. guests you know people singing is there anything you guys like to promote any place people can uh, see you live do you do any live gigs any any uh uh, uh, public gigs i can say that any public gigs? <laughs> can you though can you really <laughs> i don't think we have any coming up yeah we haven't been looking you haven't been uh, looking we've we, we used to play at the grant the u.s grant downtown mm -hmm. once a month prior to the pandemic mm -hmm. um and we were we ended up being the only instrumental group that they had at the at the grant everybody else had a vocalist but uh you know everybody kind of sliced their budgets a little bit so i still play there as a duo with a guitar player but pop nouveau hasn't been back mm. um and i think that's part of the challenge right now is a lot of places have cut their budgets a little bit and uh trying to book a four-piece band because we prefer to do live stuff with at least a four-piece is expensive yes yeah and so um i haven't put it not only that, because I know that they've cut their budgets, I haven't put as much effort into that as right. I am trying to get mm -hmm. the the more lucrative kind of work, like private events and corporate events. Yes, and and the fact that um, you don't have a strong hold on weddings yet uh, is reason why you're not busy yet, because corporate is really not back. We saw this year uh, associations come back and private events come back, weddings, social events, fundraisers. But we really have not seen corporate meetings come back the way they were prior to the pandemic. The word on the street is that 2023 is really the year that they will start coming back. So the hope is that we'll start to see more come mm -hmm. to us as a result of that. Uh, and the and the reason why our our 2022 is going um we're doing as well as we are we're not anywhere near we where we were pre-pandemic but the business that we do have is is either social or uh association related or is actually uh hotel related and something that d'angelo has been able to uh make happen you know where the hotels are actually uh, developing events to become more engaging uh, because they understand that, you know, having rooms, restaurants is, is just not enough to bring people in. So those are the kinds of things that we're doing now, but corporate, we're still, we're still waiting for that to come back. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, hopefully January will start the, the, the ball, the year running. I know that we're already starting to do proposals for next year for that for those groups so i'm mm -hmm. sure that you'll see yourself getting busier and busier it's just been you know it, it's gone so long i, I remember yeah. the first month maybe you do too was a little bit well you were having two of your best months ever so i can't imagine that when march came and all this came you were feeling any glee at all because you know you were, you were starting out so great uh for me it was oh god i could just slow down for a moment I just didn't expect that moment to last three years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Careful well, that you wish for. We have just a few minutes. I want to ask you, these are like five. We call them the Balada Five Five. 
because there are uh, five questions we like to ask people who are on the show and they get to the, the core of who you are in your business. So the first question is, what is your three-legged stool? What three tenets do you live by? Uh, and you can answer this together or separately. This has to do with, you know, the band, if you will. Three tenets. Uh, I mean, for me, what I love about Pop Nouveau is that we, we, the band is is a vehicle for us to, to you know, make money playing music and do what we love. But at the key, the the center of that is that we get to play music we love. And we get to create these arrangements. And so we're not, we're not sacrificing, I feel like, like playing music we don't like to make money. We're playing music we love to make money. And so I think for both of us, that was one of the tenets of this band was that it's still jazz. You know, we're still getting to improvise and, um, and still play jazz and, and do it our own way. And uh, so we're not, we're not sacrificing the music. Um, which I think is is key. You want to add anything, Sam? Um, stuff I've said before. You know, as as a business, we're trying to maintain a high standard, always maintaining a high standard. We're always willing to listen to what our clients uh, have have to say. If they're telling us that we need to do this or that, then we're listening. We're writing it down. We're figuring out to incorporate improvements and changes in the business. If we're just getting lots of compliments, then, you know, we can smile and enjoy that. But we want to keep that happening always. Uh, I don't think we've ever gotten anything except a volume complaint uh, since we've been doing this. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the volume complaints come from the funniest of places. Uh, one of them, just, just to give you an example, we were hired to play in the Crystal Ballroom at the uh, U.S. Grant as a trio. And uh, we had turned off the PA system because the volume was too loud. And it was still too loud. And eventually we just, uh, we went ahead and stopped, let them finish their dinner meeting. And then we went ahead and played after their dinner meeting. The room itself was the challenge. Uh, yeah. We were playing as quiet as we possibly could. Yeah. That's yeah. the only, only complaint we've ever gotten since we've been formed is to, to control the volume and keep it down. And most of the time it's in weird situations like that where the room itself is causing kind of the over amplification mm. yeah or there or there's, there was a wine cave where we had that had that problem because the wine cave was just so echoey and reverberant and you know it sounded amazing but right. uh there wasn't really a way to control it not the right, right venue for live music right, I, right. I think uh i was what was coming to me is one of the, the third tenant maybe is i pride us on you know the other musicians we hire that we take care of them and pay them um a good wage you know because like we're also we also work with other bands as sidemen and there's nothing more that i hate than um maybe going into a gig not really knowing uh exactly what it's going to pay or what's required um and then or not being compensated you know fairly and adequately mm -hmm. So we're very upfront with our musicians, what the gigs are going to pay, you know, ahead of time. And we try no matter what the gig is to, we always want to pay the same rates. And we've done, you know, we've done um, performances uh, basically pro bono as, you know, uh, publicity with, with agents and things like that, where Sam and I don't make any money, 
But of course, we still pay our sidemen, you know, out of our pocket because, you know, why should they take the hit? It's our business. And I think some musicians, they they want you to take the hit for them. And it's like, well, you, who's going to benefit when this works out? It's like, we know it's it's our business. Right. And so, you know, we, we don't want to take advantage of musicians. And that's a big thing for me is, is respecting the people that we ask to perform with us. It's a big thing for us, too, mm-hmm. because uh, it does trickle down or trickle up uh and you know it's it's the kind of thing that becomes evident when it becomes evident for example you're waiting for you know your fifth player and the person is roaming the halls because they don't know where to go mm-hmm. and they don't have any information of what it is to do that is there to do and you know you come across this person as the agency or the client and you're already put off because you think that player should know where to go and what to do because you have given all that instruction to the leader so right. uh it it really does make a difference that you do that and that that third fourth fifth sixth seventh person uh knows what they're doing knows what they're being paid feels a part of the 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 group at that time uh because it does trickle down you know it it will become evident that that other player doesn't know so taking care of business is important so thank you for that what are one one of the daily habits that you strongly believe contributes to your success you guys have a daily habit i heard one earlier practicing i mean that's yeah I mean, that's, that's just, uh, yeah, that's the baseline of being a musician. Right. Exactly. Which I know is very important for Sam because Sam takes, you know, a couple of days off playing bass and the, the calluses and things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, that's that's just maintaining. I, um, I don't know if you guys can see this sling that I'm in. Oh. I'm <laughs> shoulder, and I'm very concerned because by the time I'm able to use my arm again and play, I have a three-hour gig, which I will not have been able to practice for. So I'm, I'm very worried about some blisters on this hand. Yes. Um, and maybe from, some from not practicing. Right. So the maintenance of practicing is huge, especially for, for me and, and pretty much any upright bass player. All the guys I talk to, we're, we're all the same. It's, it's a lot of maintenance just to keep up and be able to play the instrument, keep the, the muscles limber and the, and the, uh, the calluses strong. So what happens when your calluses have gone away and now you're in a position where you're playing again? Is that painful? Does it become yes, painful? Yes, it, it becomes painful and uh, it'll cause a blister on your fingers. and, and uh, Then you then can't play because you have a... Right. Well, you play. <laughs> the blister breaks <laughs> off. You keep playing. Um, but uh, you can tape the fingers, but it's, it's not that... Effective. You're not getting the feel of the string mm-hmm. then if you tape the finger, right? Yeah. It's a little harder. Well, see, this is an occupational hazard nobody ever thinks of because, you know, playing a bass is so glamorous. Nobody thinks of the tips of your (laughs) your fingers and how they feel. Um, What about about you, Dan? Uh, Is there anything else other than practicing that you do on a daily basis? Do you have any routines that you feel? Uh, I mean, I I get up and I make my morning pour over coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Pour over coffee? Yeah, you know, that's patience. Get my that's... uh, well, it's you know, it, be, it becomes a ritual, and I, I like starting my day like that, and then kind of sitting down and going, okay, what needs to be done today, and just kind of try to make my lists and and um, 
you know, focus. I'm, I'm not necessarily a creature of, of habit, like, you know, the same routine every day and starting my day the same way. But that's the one thing I do is have my coffee and then try to just think of the day. And, and lately for us, it's been trying to think more of, you know, social media. I think I feel like Sam and I are both of that that age group were Gen Xers that, you know, were sort of, I didn't adopt social media all in, you know, big time in the beginning. Um, so just, you know, posting on Instagram for us and, and trying to do those kind of things and, and getting out there that way, whether it helps or not, I'm still not sure, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's better for us to be out there than not. So, right. you know, that's, that's become a little bit of a thing, like trying to, to think about that, you know, try to keep us out there and, and relevant. I don't Samuel. know if it's uh, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I don't. I don't know if it's necessarily a day, daily habit. It's just something I try to maintain, and that's being responsive. So, anytime I get an email, phone call, text message, or whatever it is, I try to respond to anything that comes in within 24 hours or less. And uh, that's a very constant thing for me. And uh, even when I'm on vacation, I'm. At, you know, my girlfriend gets mad at me. I'm checking. <laughs> Sam, I have a gig. Somebody might need us. <laughs> this might be important. I got to check it. Right. So, um, but, but you know, part you, of our have job. To, you have to check yes. it. You might be on vacation today, but you won't be tomorrow. <laughs> and you need to, you know, line up gigs, right? I mean, that's yeah. just the reality. It's the curse of the profession. Yeah, you right. the reality. Yeah. I call it a curse. Right. right. <laughs> but, Blessing yeah. curse. A lot of times it doesn't take that long to look and just go, okay, mm -hmm. I got nothing right, I have right. to deal with right now. And then if something does come up and I'm on vacation and we're going out to breakfast, I can say, well, when we're done doing what we're doing, we can take a few minutes. I can do that. And then we go back to whatever we're doing. Right. So it doesn't ruin my vacation. And I'm still able to, you know, reply. And I'm, I'm able to set boundaries like uh, so, so that it doesn't interrupt with my time off. Or right. Time off family and friends and stuff like that well you know you're doing the important thing and that is to be responsive you don't have to go into everything you know you can be responsive and say yes we're available yes this is the information i have now i am on vacation would you like a hold we can deal with it when i get back right you just yeah. want them to know you got it and you're interested right yes. i mean that is Absolutely. key mm -hmm. because people will move on we have gotten business because we jumped on it. Somebody has sent us an email or called us and we were the first person to call them back. You know, they're sending out an email to other people. We call them back immediately. You've got the business, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just a good, it's a good habit to have to be responsive. What are the things you tell yourself when no one else is listening? Let's start with you, Sam. What do you tell yourself when no one else is listening? What's the real Sam say to Sam? <laughs> Sam talks to himself way too much. <laughs> Uh, but Sam said self. What does he say? When Sam is talking, he's having conversations, imaginary conversations. But it's it's like practicing. I practice conversations in my head. So uh, what you might say to somebody uh, before you call them back, that kind of thing. Yeah, it could be something like that. It could be if I'm having difficulty with the situation, I can rehearse the conversation in my head a few times before I actually talk to the person, um, uh, all the negative stuff happens in the conversations in my head. Mm -hmm. So all the things I shouldn't say, those mm -hmm. are in my head. Right. So then hopefully by the time I get to that person, those are done and I can have a <laughs> responsible and adult conversation. Um, works pretty good on the professional level. It doesn't work as good sometimes with a girlfriend, but 
Hey, you know, I've gotten my saved myself, I should say, many a time because of the 3 a.m. walking around my living room out loud conversations. And I get it out of my system and then I can be reasonable. So, yeah. What about you, Dan? Uh, what goes through my head? I mean, you know, sometimes be nicer to yourself. You know, we're, I think we're all uh, driven and hard on ourselves sometimes. But uh, as I get older, I find that um, certain things get a little easier. You know, you, you, you get a little bit more mature and realize, eh, give yourself a break um, right now. And, uh, mm. you know, but just that and all the other stuff we all say to ourselves, you know, what do I got to do today? Or, you know, and um, yeah, stay focused, be productive, you know, but don't be too hard on yourself. That's, That's a good, good one. Do anybody any good. Right. Especially you. Right. Um, so when's the last time you tried something new, Dan? When's the last time, uh, last time I tried something new? I mean, the, the newest thing I've been doing is right before the pandemic, I started playing, uh, you know, if you're familiar with disc golf or yes. frisbee mm -hmm. golf, basically. Very much. Um, I started playing with a few musician friends uh, right before the pandemic and, you know, was doing that a little bit. Then the pandemic happened and that was about the only thing we could do. So right. it ended up being a, a, a blessing because it, it gave me a, a reason to be outside during the pandemic, a reason to see people and hang out with friends, um, you know, most of which are musicians. But over the course of the pandemic, that that group of people grew. Mm -hmm. And so now it's become a whole um, kind of a club, you know, and it's, I'd say it's about half musicians and then other friends and musicians and stuff. Um, but it, it's actually kind of been a networking thing. I mean, actually I've gotten work from, from people really? in our crew, you know, a trumpet player friend of mine that's now hiring me to do sessions and stuff. And he does film and TV composing. And um, so it's, yeah, I mean, that's probably the thing that I've, the newest thing I've done. I'm trying to think of anything, you know, super recently that I've tried. Um, trying to think even any any exciting food or anything i tried i don't know well maybe but, it's uh, time it's time to try something <laughs> new again it sounds like yeah it. no it's uh <laughs> i mean yeah you know doing doing well and then a lot of woodworking too we bought a house about a year and a half ago so i've been doing learning more skills taking care of the house and stuff so i'm always nice. sort of learning something new you know fixing something or or whatnot i like to do that kind of stuff wow so you're doing that yourself I've done a lot of stuff myself from patching drywall to uh, laying pavers in the backyard to uh, ripping out all the grass in my front yard and putting in, you know, rocks and landscaping and all kinds of stuff. So, and then building, uh, I built a great whiskey shelf, you know, my, my woodworking skills and refinished a table and put new legs on it and whatnot. So I have wow. varied interests. <laughs> wow. Yes. Yes. How about you, Sam? What's the last? Uh, uh, the newest thing I'm trying there. is I'm trying a brick and mortar business. I've rented a, uh, a rented a, a space, a commercial space, and built the studio that you see here. Mm -hmm. So I've got I've got six rooms that I'm trying to rent out to musicians for the purpose of teaching lessons, or you know, the the rooms are somewhat soundproofed and they're they're acoustically. Uh, treated and they're they're designed for for musical purposes. So that's my newest thing. 
and the biggest room being my room because I wanted something where I could do rehearsals and recordings. You've already seen the the yacht jazz recording that we did here, and uh, yeah, so this is this was all, a lot of new stuff. I uh, had to build it out, and uh, I became the general contractor for that project. Wow! I had to organize all the contractors that came in, get a little snippy with them when they didn't do it the way I wanted them to do it. And, had to learn how to you know keep people in in line and do their job correctly and make sure that they were doing it correctly so that i get the product i'm looking for um learned a lot of lessons on that one mm, that's so, uh, that's not always easy to do yeah. where 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 are these studios it's in poway nice uh, yeah and how's it located in the poway school district so but one of the best school districts yes. in the country. It is. Uh, so are you are you having early success? No. <laughs> I'm having it's it's slow. It's going to mm. take some time. I'm finding that a lot of teachers are still teaching online, uh, both for pandemic and financial reasons. It doesn't cost them anything to teach online from their living room. Um, so they haven't transferred back into in person. And so that's that's been the, the latest delay for getting people to, to join in. One of the advantages that I think that I'm offering is that I'm renting rooms. All of the studios and schools and, and music places in this area seem to have gone to an employee-based uh, model. Usage. So anybody who's coming and teaching from their studio becomes an employee and uh, they use that format. And, uh, I didn't want. I was actually offered the same thing from the studio I was teaching in. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to stay independent, and uh, I couldn't find anybody else in this area that was doing that. So, I decided to build my own and offer mm. offer what I wanted. Is it a? Are are the rooms big enough for as a small rehearsal space? Maybe for a, up to like a three piece acoustic group. So I've got a couple friends that are like string quartets, mm -hmm. things like that, or a little, you know, maybe some bluegrass or something where you don't have to be amplified. It would be fine, mm -hmm. um, but they're not they're not rehearsal rooms um, in that respect. The rooms I've got three rooms that are eight by eight and two rooms that are nine by ten. So I don't know. It's like a small bedrooms inside. Yeah. Right. right. Well, I was kind of thinking too of you know vocalists. Yes. Coming in with the keyboardist, you know. Absolutely. If you know anybody, send them my way. I will. You know I will. I'm always thinking of I'm always thinking of you. I'm always trying to help you out, Sam. You know Right on. All right, last question. Last question for you both. How old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? <laughs> what would I do if I didn't know how old I was? That's Every morning I'm reminded of how old I really am. By? My body does not want to move the way I want it to. Right. Get used to that. Um, my mind is still much younger, probably 20 years younger in, its, in the way I think of myself until I'm reminded that I'm not. Um, this, <laughs> this sling is one, one example. Right. Um, yeah. But Although... I wasn't doing anything crazy. I was walking and I slipped. And you fell. And I fell. And I went to keep myself from injuring myself by bracing with my arm and it almost popped my shoulder out of joint. So 
Yeah. I've had those moments myself. It has nothing to do with age, I promise you. <laughs> what about you, Dan? Um, I would say I'm, I, for some reason, the age 27 is always stuck in my head, you know, late 20s, like mentally, I definitely, you know, I'm, I'm 45. And sometimes I think about that. And I'm like, I don't feel like I'm 45. It, it doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'd say probably, you know, 27, if I didn't know how old I was, maybe, you know, younger, because I, you know, I, I'm still very active. And like I said, playing disc golf, and I pride myself on on beating my friends, you know, some of them 20 years younger than me, on, on a regular basis. And I, you know, I rub it in when I can Good for you. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, so I d definitely feel like Sam, you know, probably about 20 years younger, something like that. So we're in uh, Disneyland right now. We went last night, uh, D'Angelo and I, and I was, as I was walking out, I think I was, there, we are, there are no adults. They're just a lot of big kids because the, the, the big kids love Disney more than kids. You know, it's crazy. Yep. Yeah. We like to think of ourselves as adults, but we're still just big kids. So, gents, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Uh, you have so much talent between you, and mm -hmm. Pop and Bo is one of our favorite groups, and I know that we'll be working together more and more. And uh, I just hope that uh, you're both successful in your studio career with your home. You get that all taken care of and all the woodwork done. Absolutely. And we get to work together more and more and more as the years progress. That's our hope. Great. That's ours too. Yeah, ours, yep. Ours too. Well, thank you so much, Pop Nouveau. If you don't know about them, you need to go on their website and learn about them, popnouveau.com. Uh, popnouveaujazz.com. Thank you, popnouveaujazz.com, or you can just find us at lotta.com, and we will help you to book. Pop Nouveau. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Awesome. Uh, Thank you. Make it a great day. Guys. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for listening. We had just one little favor to ask you. In our show notes, we put a survey. We'd like to know who you are. Would you mind filling out the survey for us? Just a few short questions. That's all. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Boop. Boop.